Hello! Happy New Year! Welcome to the Road SB Podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em. I would like to say a special New Year's hello to our number one and only fan. Oh my god, like, it's a board of wheels. Today we'll be discussing Ambrosia by C.N. Crawford. This is the second installment of the Frost and Nectar series. If you are interested in what happened in the first installment... We did do an episode on that a couple episodes ago. So. Buttons. After after almost becoming an ice sculpture, Ava falls through a portal and finds herself in an unfamiliar, hostile world with few allies and fewer options. She wants to reconnect with Torin. She wants to go home. She might not want to face the truth about herself and her nature, but when she meets the land's sadistic queen, Ava is forced to make a gut-wrenching decision in the hope that her vicious actions might save the man she loves. There will be spoilers beyond this point. We have a content warning for abusive family members and captivity and torture. Yay! (laughs) I know! You said it. I was fighting saying yay. (laughs) Gotta yay the torture. Come on, folks! Well, I'm assuming you're ready to feel romanced because it's the new year. So we'll just jump right in with the question. New year, new romance. How hopeless is Ava's predicament at the start of the story? Yeah, Ava is kind of, she she kind of is in a shitty situation, I would say. Yeah. At the end of the last story, she nearly froze to death, fell through a portal, swam through some water, got out into a beautiful forest realized she had fucking horns on her head (laughs) and by the way your hair is now this lovely greenish bluish color yay teal this book picks up pretty much exactly where that left off so she's looking at herself in a puddle staring at the bronze horns coming out of her forehead kind of freaking out a little bit realizing oh shit i'm an unseelie fae before I get much further, I need to talk. I need to talk about this, M. Okay. I was like going, I thought the unseelie fae were the winter fae, like traditionally winter fae. Oh. But here she is in this beautiful, summery sort of woods. Meanwhile, the seelie fae are in a frozen wasteland, right? Right. And so I went and looked it up, and it's true. The unseelie fae, according to myth and legend, are typically associated with winter and also more like the dark, evil sort of fairy creatures like goblins and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And the seelie fae are more typically seen as like a summer sort of situation. Not that they're necessarily nicer, but they are beautiful and their land is summery and warm. So this author has kind of flipped it. Okay. Although to be fair, the Seely Fay, that fairyland is cursed, so that's why there's endless winter right now. Yes. But it kinda bothered me and <laughs> I feel bad saying it. When we read the first book, it was kind of tingling like the back of my brain. And I'm like, this just doesn't feel like, I don't want to say the word right, but it doesn't feel traditional 
to me, or I don't know if that's the right word either, but you know what I mean? I know what you mean. I think my problem with that is, and it it did, it kind of niggled the back of my brain, but I I don't know, I guess I wasn't curious enough to look it up. (laughs) You're welcome. And I was like, this doesn't quite feel right, but whatever, I'm letting it go. I guess for me, this may be unjust and unkind, and I apologize. However, it doesn't change what I think, which is simply flipping those is not enough work to me. (laughs) And I think that's what it comes down to, is it's not that it's wrong, because it's myth, and it's made up story, so it's not incorrect, it just, I think it's a work, work level thing. I'm like, no... You need to either expand or make it more nuanced or something. But just flipping it doesn't feel satisfying as a world-building thing. Structure, I guess. To me, it could have been as easy as saying, Ha ha, silly humans, you got the stories wrong. Yes. How hard is that? (laughs) Yeah, lots of stories do that. I'm not trying to knock the world building because I think even though the world building continues to be fairly sparse in this book, it does go a bit deeper, especially into the unseelie realm, what that world is like, what that culture is like. And I really appreciated that. And I like it. And I like that the authors did like evil. Well, I don't know if you want to call it evil, but evil by human standards fairies. And I think that was great. I was Mm -hmm. here for it. I wanted that. I think it's just when you take characters from Shakespeare, like Mab, for example, Mm -hmm. and you take settings from traditional folklore or whatnot, and you put your own spin on it, I kind of want more of a spin, or at least some reason for the spin. Yeah. So Mab which is a character coming up, and I don't want to spoil too much about her yet, but Mab, according to the source material, as far as I can tell, brings dreams. Mm -hmm. And in this story, I would say she does not. (laughs) At all. She's a completely different type of person in this story. Not even nightmares. Yeah. I I actually really liked the character of Mab. I think the authors did a good job with her. Me too. I just was like, why did you name her Mab, though? Like, why? Why why did you do that if you're going to flip the script and, you know, the Unseelie are in the Summerland? Why are you using this? I don't know. Why use those names, which have their own backstory and everything, and then not take advantage of that? Yeah. I don't know. It's like writing a story about Dracula and not taking advantage of, like, the wealth of information that the world has crafted about Dracula. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like there could have been more done there rather than using just those names as touchstones. Usually I try to save these info, content, ranty, dump, like... (laughs) I kind of, I try to save these info dump rants for like the end of the podcast, but I'm worried I'll forget. And I just want to make sure that I say it. Like I want to talk about (laughs) it. I want to make sure that it's out there into the world because as much as I like what the authors did with the characters in the setting, I'm wondering why they took things that already existed and then said, fuck you, we're just using the name. (laughs) 
Unfortunately, that's not uncommon. But yes, it is frustrating. I don't know if it's because they don't want to steal from the original work, or if it's because they want the reader to infer things from the original work, so they just use the name. I don't know. Yeah, but if they want someone to infer things from the source material, then they would have it be at least fairly true to the source material, which they did not do. Maybe they thought they did? I don't know. Yeah, well, okay. I mean, yeah, this is my opinion, but dude, uh, it, it took me out of the story. Kind of like when we read a retelling, which this isn't really a retelling, obviously. It's its, its own thing. Yes. But when we read a retelling and, and the author does not draw from the source material at all, it's like, why did you even call this a retelling? Why did you go to the trouble to do any of that if you're not going to do something with the source material? Whether you're following the story or you're going to turn it on its head or you're going to mess with the tropes in some way or you're going to do something with it in some way, you're still paying some sort of duty to the source material. I don't know why an author would reference a, I think, well-known either character or place or whatever and not do it justice within their story. I don't think it's as simple as just wanting to have name recognition. I mean, I'm sure there there might be some that do. You know, I know this will sell if I put X character in it because, or XYZ characters in it because... People already like those. Yeah, kind of like the whole IP situation we've got going on with movies. Mm-hmm. You have to build off some existent IP nowadays or else your movie's not going to get made. <laughs> That's how yeah. I feel anyway. <laughs> totally. I, I don't think the authors for this book did anything like that at all. I mean, this no. is very much its own story. It's very much its own creation. And that's why I'm questioning the use of known sort of folklore and characters created by other people long ago that are now famous in their own right. You know, they're part of, I don't know what you would call it, like the collective consciousness of humanity in a way. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'm just Americanizing everything. I don't know. But at least in the area where I grew up, Queen Mab is something that you just kind of know. Like you've heard that name before. I don't know how common it is to know now. I think it just, it depends on what someone knows so maybe some people wouldn't immediately recognize for example the name queen mab and go oh shakespeare or oh dreams or or whatever now that i've ranted for about 15 minutes i think it's time <laughs> to move on to the story a spider is chasing her <laughs> yes ava is a horny lady and a spider is chasing her and it is the size of a dog Ah. No, thank you. And it only has six eyes instead of eight. So well, that's still too many. Deficient spider. At any rate, she's running. She's trying to hide from the spider. And all of a sudden, someone grabs her from behind, pulls her into the shadows. And she starts fighting back. And then she hears his voice. And it turns out to be Torin. And he says, be quiet. Someone's following you. And she's like, um, why the fuck are you here, dude? Like, <laughs> you know, like, um, you probably shouldn't be here. This isn't a safe place for I you. It was an exile party for one. Guess I was wrong. 
Torin reminds us how bad off Fairyland is because he's like, you cracked my throne. I have barely any magic anymore. Fairyland is like covered in ice and I have no queen to sit on the throne to make the magic come back. Well, you could have stayed there and gotten one. So. And now I'm trapped here in the Court of Sorrows, aka Unseelie Land, where I'm going to be murdered if I'm caught. And then he accuses her of being a spy. Like, was this all a plan on your part? And it's just like, dude, Torin, really? Really? The yeah. trust issues now? Now? I'm like, dude, you abandon your people. Right? That's what I was thinking. I was like, and, uh-oh, shouldn't you just marry literally any female just to get, like, some magic in the throne, like, for your people? But love. He had to go make sure Ava was okay. And and she's not okay, so. Well, yeah. I mean, nobody gets chased by a dog-sized spider and their life is going well. Probably not. Assuming the spider isn't, like, cuddly or a pet. Maybe it's a fluffy, friendly spider that likes treats and will snuggle and not bite. Maybe. I don't think this one is. No. I had hopes. I had hopes that she would see this spider and be afraid of it. And then it would come up to her and be like, Oh, hello, fellow creepy fairy lady. Welcome to the Court of Sorrows. (laughs) I am your fluffy spider friend. I kind of wanted that, but it didn't happen. I was like, no, pins are scary. Run, run, run. The plan now is Torin has barely enough magic to open a portal to go back to Fairyland. And so he wants to help Ava find some unseelie people, make sure that they'll accept her, and then leave her and go back to Fairyland. But he can't really do this because if he's seen, he'll be murdered. I don't think he's got some good reasoning skills. This is a problem and a ruler. Well, I mean, he did have some budgeting issues in the prior books. So I just, yeah, I don't know. I feel like if you're the king of an entire realm, maybe you should think about the many, many, many people that you're responsible for over (laughs) yourself and your own love. Just saying. Like, (laughs) it just seems like... I would like that in a ruler, personally. <laughs> yes. I feel like rulers like that are an awfully short supply. <laughs> Real life and stories, so. Well, I think, because it says later in the story, like, he was like, and Orla will just take care of everything. And I'm like, <sighs> he didn't want his sister to sit on the throne because he thought it would kill her. Yeah, and he thinks she's too weak to do it. And frankly, the Orla we get in this book is very different from the Orla we get in the first book. I was expecting her to at least step up a little bit. Yeah. But she does not at all. At all. No, it was disappointing, frankly. She has been set up to fail. Of course, it seems like Torrin was set up to fail, too. His parents didn't prepare him for rule, and he didn't prepare himself. And he didn't prepare his sister to take care of herself. No. Anyway, they're traveling 
through the forest and they find an unseelie woman laying in the water, I believe. She's scaly. She's beautiful. Let's trust it. <laughs> Torrin says, I'll stand in the shadows while you go make contact. Maybe she'll accept you and then I can leave. Because he still thinks that's something he's going to do. I don't even understand. Like, if he goes back to Fairyland, is he going to be able to do anything? I Well, I guess he could get married. Yeah, that's the thing. He could marry literally freaking any chick. I don't even know if she has to have magic. Does she have to have magic? No, he could have married a common fae. Yeah, just seriously grab... I mean, this is horrible. But grab some rando female. Be like, hello, my queen. Get married. Save your people. And then go off and try to save Ava, assuming she hasn't saved herself by that point. Yeah, he thought Ava was a common fae, so he was going to marry someone without magic, as far as he knew. Which, that does raise the question, like, if if the common fae don't have magic, or maybe they do, and the, what, uncommon fae, or whoever the upper class is, maybe they don't want them to know that they have magic? Because where does the magic come from if the common fae don't have it? Just all the royalty. They're special. Okay. So Torin hides in the dark, corner, shadow, whatever. Ava goes and approaches the beautiful river lady, lake lady, I don't know. The beautiful scaly lady. And the beautiful scaly lady sees her, talks to her in a language Ava does not understand. So that's a problem. Turns out unseely fairies don't speak English. Well. And then she starts saying people's names. Uh, Crom, Isabel, Mab. But Ava recognizes that those are names, though, even though she doesn't speak the language? No, she doesn't recognize it. But they are names. And then the scaly lady smiles with very, very sharp teeth. And I think she starts yelling or screaming or something. And then all of a sudden, Ava is being hunted. She tries to run away. Torin is also trying to run away. There's a flying fairy man after her. She gets shot in the back with an arrow. Ow. Falls down. Torin picks her up. He's running, but he's also shot in the back with like tranquilizing darts or something. And so he falls down. And they all fall down. So Ava's trying to bargain with the attacking unseelie fairy. Like, no, let him go. He doesn't belong here. Just take me. It's fine. But the unseelie does not care, does not listen, maybe doesn't understand, although he does, <laughs> and takes them captive. And then one of the unseelies has this scorpion crown on his head, and his name is Morgant. Grabs Ava, puts her on a horse, they take Torin captive, and then they become prisoners in separate prisons Uh oh and ava has been poisoned and she's drifting in and out of consciousness and she's just like obsessed with torin every time she wakes up a little bit she's like is torin okay <laughs> i wonder what torin's doing it's like bitch get your ass up <laughs> try to rescue yourself please more pressing issues than the boyfriend right now <laughs> Morgan comes in at some point and questions her. He wants to know how she came to be in the company of the Seelie King. 
she lies and says, no, no, he's not the king. He's just a random fairy guy and he shouldn't be here and you should just let him go. <laughs> Morgan says, well, he's talking to us and apparently he hates you. He said he could never love you. Ava tells herself that, you know, he could very well be saying those things. However, she doesn't really believe it. I don't think at any point does she really doubt he cares about her. Although Torin kind of doubts Ava at this first part of the story. Up until this point, he's doubted her. Ava continues to try to lie and cover for Torin, and Morgan informs her that she must not be a real Unseelie because Unseelie do not lie. And we already know who he is. And the queen knows who you are. Mm? Ava says, oh, who am I? Do tell. And he says, oh, she hasn't shared that with me yet. <laughs> he then tells her this fun bit of info about how he has this wonderful magical gift of healing that he can also use to rip a body apart. Yay. The torture begins at this point. He is <laughs> hurting her and Torin, although we don't know this yet, magically, and then letting them suffer and then magically healing them so they don't die and then hurting them again. It's great. Morgan says, if you want to get out of here alive, you need to learn to use your magic. That's the best advice I can give you. He, he leaves and we start getting... I think the first of many, many clues about Ava's magic, because she does in fact have magic. And in her delirium and thirst and pain and all that, she sees like vines and leaves and stuff moving around her. And she chalks it up to hallucinating due to her situation, which at this point, I don't really blame her. Mm -mm. Later, I'm thinking, girl, (laughs) how many more vines and leaves do you have to see until you realize what the fuck is going on? I I don't know. She's been drifting in and out and in and out. And who knows how long days have passed. And at one point she wakes up and she hears Torin yelling for her. He mentions that she's been screaming for days. He's been trying to talk to her and she's been screaming for days. He's not in the cell with her. He's in his own cell. But Ava tells him to just go home. I think she hopes that he can or does because he still has that magic. He has enough magic to open a portal. He could go home. He could at this point. He could. No, he can't. He's not going to because love. Yeah. Feel the love. Ava continues to be tortured. It's pretty great. Now we're in Torin's head. He's really hating his life right now. He's been tortured pretty badly. Morgan has ripped open his feet with his magic and then I think healed them sort of, but not really. Or maybe he's just healing on his own. I'm not sure. Just how. Remember, remember this, that his feet are semi-exploded. Okay? Because (laughs) he does a lot of things on these exploded feet. Well, he's he's a tough fae. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. You gotta be if you're doing all this shit on exploded feet. So he's thinking about this sword called the Sword of Whispers that he used when he became king to fight off all the other would-be kings and win. And the Sword of Whispers 
has this fun thing where when you use it, it whispers to you. <laughs> you hear like all these voices and stuff. And it's not necessarily a good thing. And apparently it's driven other people crazy. But he's like, no, I'm going to use this sword and I'm going to save Ava. And he uses his fucking magic, the barely little bit he has left to open a little portal and get the sword and pull it into Unseelie land. Okay. And now he's got the sword of whispers and he's coming to rescue Ava. With his fucking exploded feet. <laughs> Dude, you use the last of your magic. We know he doesn't have great reasoning skills. This is known. I'm so torn because obviously you can't have the hero abandon the heroine. That would be unheard of in a romance story, right? Unless it's a dark romance, I guess. But I don't know. I think about this sort of thing. It's like, and maybe this is just me, but I think about my relationship and I'm like, if we're both captive in separate cells, being tortured to death, and you have an opportunity to escape and you don't. <laughs> Your ass is getting haunted. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. I I don't know. And then I think, well, would I try to, would I take the opportunity to escape or would I s still try to rescue my loved one? I guess it depends on how confident you feel at the rescuing. Yeah. And I guess Torin feels super confident because he's got the sort of whispers now. So he's fine. He's great. Everything's great, He's like guys. the Fae equivalent of Rambo. So he's cool. <laughs> That's what I'm choosing to picture in my head. Dude. So he hacks through the cell. The cell is like part stone and then part tree. And he starts carving through the tree part to get to Ava. He finds her. She wakes up in her delirium. She probably at this point is thinking like, is this even real? I don't know. We're back in Ava's head and he is there and he says, I'm getting us out of here. We get another hint because... As Torin is hacking through the tree, Ava thinks to herself that she feels like someone's getting stabbed when he does that. He's like, I'm getting you away from the demons. It's okay. I'm rescuing you. I am protector man. <laughs> Ava says, awkward that I'm kind of basically a demon too, huh? <laughs> and he's like, well, they didn't accept you. So <laughs> I guess you're stuck with me. Ava has this really 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 thin white dirty dress that she's been wearing she's bled on this thing she's been rained on she's been in the mud with this thing it's seen a lot and Torin asks her to take it off and put it on the back of the horse that they stole so that they have something to protect them while they ride so she gets to ride nude on a horse Torin is also nude so Hmm. Yay. <laughs> or mostly nude. I don't know. He has a new plan. Now they're going to go find the veiled one, which is the wise old person in Unseelie land who apparently can see the future. That person, the veiled one, will be able to help them. So I want to talk a little bit about the veiled one because in Fairyland we have kind of a similar character. I forget what she's called, but she can basically see the past. 
in Fairyland, she's pretty much an outcast because she kind of shared more than people wanted her to share. <laughs> uh, if you know what I mean. Yeah, don't do that. But the veiled one, which is the unseelie version of this sort of person, can see the future. And they're kind of seen as more of a oracle-y sort of person, I think. So they, they have a bit more respect for this person. Ava and Torin ride and ride and ride. It's not a fun ride. They mm -hmm. find this abandoned house. It's nighttime. Torin goes in to check out the house, leaving Ava alone naked outside. And as he's in the house, a giant praying mantis type insect tries to <laughs> tries to get Ava. <laughs> She's like screaming and freaking the fuck out and then Torin comes out to to find her he's fighting it but then Ava feels like she needs to protect him because he's not doing well uh oh aka he has exploded feet okay <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm oh well no I do know why I'm like hammering on this point it's because it's like he doesn't recognize the fact that he has exploded feet he refuses to notice it i think the blood would be a dead giveaway <laughs> it is but a flesh wound you know <laughs> okay dude so the mantis is gonna win ava gets it between them she feels the wind and she feels like the grass and the forest and somehow that's gonna help her again a hint at her magic and she screams at the mantis, and it falls off a cliff into the ocean. Yay. And then Torin says, quote, That was interesting. Did you scream him over the cliff? Yes, I did. My voice <laughs> is that powerful. And, and now she's back in thinking, no, that was just my imagination. It was just the wind. It wasn't me. A mighty wind. So they go into the abandoned house. And Torin is trying to take care of Ava. You know, he wants to run her a bath. He wants to feed her. He wants to make sure she's okay. Ava is worried about Torin's feet. Because <laughs> they have exploded. <laughs> right? At least someone's worried about his feet. <laughs> God. She realizes she can't just approach this head on with him because he's too manly and stoic to take care of himself. He is a king and takes care of his people, except for all the people he abandoned <laughs> to freeze to death in Fairyland. <sighs> she asks him about making some sort of ointment or balm or something for her injuries, which he then helps her do. She gets the water for the bath. She puts the stuff on herself and then she's all, oh, this feels so good. But I think I have a little bit left if you have anything that happens to hurt. And <laughs> he does use it at that point. So at least there's that. Torin cooks them a great dinner. They kind of get a nice bit of respite. You know, they've escaped. They're basically safe-ish where they are right now. They're going to have this night. Torin says he's going to sleep on the floor, but Ava's like, no, you will not sleep on the floor. We will both share the bed. It will be fine. Ava is starting to feel jealous about the future because she still hopes that Torin will 
escape and go back to fairyland and marry somebody and save everyone. And she asks how long he'll wait to consummate his marriage with whoever he plans to marry. (laughs) Can I get a countdown? They're laying in bed together. They're close. They're cuddling. She's super into it, but also worried because she realizes she's an unseelie fae and they're essentially enemies. And does Torin think that? Or is he okay with her? Does he still not trust her? Like he seemed not to earlier. He asks her about her horns. Like if she has any sensation in her horns and it turns out she does and they are sexy horns. So if you touch them, they feel good, which is nice, I guess. They have a bit of a banter about, I guess, like sexy, like sex. Like she teases him about, oh, you talk a big talk, but how do I know you're telling the truth? Maybe you're actually really bad at sex. Maybe you couldn't make me moan anyway, because he he does. He talks a big game, even though they know they could never be together because they are enemies and this is just for tonight, etc., etc. There's the kissing, and he finger bangs her to orgasm, because thank God, you know, something happened. I don't think they even got that far in the first book, did they? No, I don't think they did. We got kissing, I think. I think that was it. Yes, and pining. Yes, so much pining. Granted, the pining is, is in this book as well. They wake up in the morning... We're in Torin's head. Ava asks him how they're going to find the Veiled One, and he really doesn't know. He remembers a bit of a story about where she lives, and he tells Ava about it, and then they go riding, and wouldn't you know it, pretty soon, they find the mountain that looks like a volcano, which is where the Veiled One lives, so that's good. They really only have to ride about a day. Couldn't you see it then? I don't know. How far can you ride a horse in a day? I don't know. I don't know. Let's ask Google. 25 to 35 miles or 40 to 56.5 kilometers. Okay, so you would think they would have seen it. Maybe they did. Maybe they did see it and they didn't realize it was a volcano until they got closer. They get to the point where they have to start walking and holding the lead of the horse to continue up the mountain because it's snowy and steep and dark and what would happen if they fell. They get up to this narrow castle that's sitting atop of the volcano. It's really interesting the way it's described. I I did like the setting, you know, it's kind of creepy and surreal. There's this volcano with this rickety narrow castle perched on top of it and (laughs) surrounded by like a moat of volcano Torin says i will go look in the castle first you wait here and be safe i totally forgot what happened last time i did that and the mantis almost got you pretty much immediately after he goes inside the unseelie fae show up they have wings like kind of butterfly dragonfly sort of wings Beautiful, of course. And they start shooting arrows at Ava. As you do. She starts screaming for Torin. Torin sees that she's gotten shot. Morgan swoops down and carries her off. 
Torin tries to go after her and then he becomes surrounded by unseelie fairies and is taken captive yet again. And he loses his sword. Aw, his Mr. Pokey Pokey. Yep. Morgant and Ava have a nice friendly conversation where he tells her that they captured the Seelie King and they're going to break him before he dies. Just so you know. Goals! Meanwhile, I'm gonna bring you to talk to the queen. Lucky you. She gets kind of healed. Not really prettied up, but kind of better than she was. <laughs> and then he takes her up to the top of a tower, like an open air tower, and says, okay, stay here. We're going to let you talk to the queen now. And we learn that the queen of the Ancili is Queen Mab of the Dark Crom. She's this beautiful, gorgeous, magnificent woman with beautiful wings She's shiny, she wears a lot of gold and silver, and she's evil, and she's great. I really love her. I wish she had a different name, but that's (laughs) not here or there. She starts to question Ava, and Ava continues to lie, trying to protect Torin. and Mab informs her that if you were raised here, then you would feel pain every time a lie fell from your lips, though if you loved him, perhaps you would do it anyway. And then here is a recurring theme in the story that starts here. Quote, love burns us, doesn't it? And that fire makes us strong. Unquote. So that's basically Mab's philosophy. Love is a fire and it will burn you and it will hurt like hell. But that's what makes you stronger. So remember that content warning? <laughs> yeah, the torture and the abuse and all that. It's it's not over, y'all. It's not over. We also learn the unseelie magic comes from the pain of love and loss. But then she calls into question Torin's loyalty. She's like, so I see that you're loyal to him and you will lie to protect him. But would he do the same to you? She asks her name. Ava says Ava Jones. Mab says that's a human name. How did you end up leaving the kingdom? Ava doesn't know. So she says that. Queen Mab tells Morgant he can relax around Ava. She obviously doesn't realize that she has any power. She's essentially harmless. Um, She can't even speak her own language. Which just lets us, the readers, know. Yeah, so if Ava did know who she was and did have access to her power, then she might be a problem to Mab. Potentially. She might be dangerous to people. That's neither here nor there. I have a feeling she says that in front of Ava so Ava can hear it. So that Ava realizes this. But Ava does not because Ava doesn't think she has any magic. They have dinner together. Mab shares that she plans to take over Fairyland. She wants her heir on the throne of Fairy forever. Turning it into the realm of Unseelie. Then she gets Morgant to bring out the king. Torin gets dragged in to the room with them. He's questioned and Mab kind of thinks he's hot. (laughs) (laughs) She also realizes that Ava and Torin are a thing. (laughs) And so she decides to pit them against each other. As you do. She says, quote, 
Here's my magnanimous offer. I will let one of you leave the kingdom, but only after a duel between the two of you. Torin, tomorrow your job is to fight this lost one before a crowd of my subjects and run your sword through her. She's very flirty with him. Like, of course you're going to win. And then I'm going to like chain you up in my bedroom. (laughs) Isn't that great for you? Don't you like that? She says to Ava that she's going to throw her off the tower if she doesn't fight. If Torin doesn't fight, then they're going to torture him. Like, they're going to draw and quarter him. Yee. Ava asks Mab why she hates Torin so much. And Mab says, well, he sent assassins after us. They get sent away to their respective bedrooms slash prisons, (laughs) but a lot nicer than the dungeon. Ava takes a nice bath. She's thinking to herself about the words Mab used. She's really curious about the fact that the Unseelie can't lie. And she's thinking, well, maybe there's some sort of loophole because Mab said, skewer stab run through but she didn't say kill she didn't say kill (laughs) so maybe it could be a thing maybe it's fine she's also having more visions about leaves and vines and stuff she's surprised by torin who climbs into her window tells her that he's risking imminent torture and death to be with her oh He wants to plan. He wants them to have some sort of plan, but he also wants to be with her because he cares about her. He loves her and, you know, it makes sense. He says that if they have a chance, then they need to take it and use their swords to free themselves. Ava says, well, what if there's a loophole? Like, what if we could just do like a little stabby stab? Maybe it would be fine. And Torin (laughs) says, that sounds great. Um, Stab me then. Ava's like, um... Okay. Weird request, but I'm here for it. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I should have mentioned this. So earlier, prior to this, Torin has realized that in Unseelie land, his curse isn't in effect. It's only in effect in Fairyland. So he's able to touch Ava freely. That's why he got to touch her in the hut, in the abandoned hut. They're able to kiss all those things, which he wasn't able to do in Fairyland because he loves her and it would kill her. So they have a kiss after they make their plan about the duel. And then he tells her that in fairyland, he would freeze anyone that he loves and kill them. And that Queen Mab is the one who cursed him. And that's why he can't bring her home with him. So he takes the chance to finally tell her the truth and reveal the extent of what he knows about the curse in the morning. Ava is up. She's ready for this duel. They get to do some more fencing. It's in front of an audience because, you know, all the fairies, all the unseelie fairies are out for blood. Of course they are. Of course. Torn and Ava did a lot of fencing together in the prior book. So they really know each other and how they fight. And they just go on and on and prolong it. It's pretty horrific that they have to fight each other. And I feel like the authors did a good job of really bringing that home. (laughs) What, you expect me to kill this person that I love? And if I don't, then you're going to kill him? Oh, no. In a worse way? Which, on one hand, it seems like it would be easy, right? Like, okay, well, obviously, I'd want you to have a quick 
relatively painless death compared to being tortured to death by Queen Mab. However, love is a thing that (laughs) makes it hard to make these decisions. So as they're fighting, Torin, I think on accident, breaks Ava's blade. He wants to stop fighting and Mab says, no, continue. And Ava thinks, well, shit, I'm going to die. And then Morgant gives Ava his sword. So Ava continues to fight with Morgant's sword. But unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, Torin takes initiative. And instead of parrying a move that Ava knew he could parry, he instead shifts. So he takes it precisely in the heart because of course he does so he's bleeding out on the ground (laughs) ava is flipping out leaves are flying around her ava's pissed as hell she wants to kill mab she tries to but she gets shot with an arrow in the back and she wakes back up in the dungeon and apparently she's been there a while because her fingernails have grown long enough to curl around the tree roots on the floor of the dungeon. We're in Torin's head and he has been stabbed. He kind of has his life flash through his mind, you know, memories about Ava, memories about his mother, all sorts of memories. And he thinks to himself, well, if I die, this is going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> and then we take a Big leap back to fairyland, and now we're in Shalini's head. Shalini is Ava's best friend from the first book who traveled with her to fairyland to be her advisor, then got left behind in fairyland when Ava fell through the portal. And now she's stuck in the snow in the middle of fairyland with Aaron, who's Torin's guard. They're, they're kind of a thing, Aaron and Shalini. We get a bit of an update about the political uh, situation in Fairyland, and it's not looking good because Orla has refused to take over the throne. Um, she doesn't want to consider the fact that Torin might never come back, but she also does not take on any responsibility either. Mariah, who was one of the... <laughs> contenders for queenhood in the last book and also turned out to be basically the villain in the last book has been quote unquote helping orla figure things out in torin's absence yay (laughs) is it a yay i don't know (laughs) i don't know somebody should take the reins it's not gonna be orla because she i guess isn't the character we thought she was I don't know. Sometimes you like chaos to happen in a story. So even though you know it's bad, you're like, yay. But at the same time, it's like, dude, Orla, are you dumb? Or she really is so weak. She was the one who knew Mariah was cheating and warned Ava in the prior book. And that's how Ava won the fencing duel with Mariah. Perhaps she was so weak that she was choosing her moment. I felt like Orla really sucks. (laughs) She sucks as a character, I think. She doesn't serve much of a purpose. Other than the only thing I can think of is, besides giving the hero someone to rescue, is that necklace. Or that charm. Yeah. That she gave Ava in the previous book. And then it didn't work. 
Well, the only purpose Orla served was to warn Ava about Mariah's cheating. She could hear that the blade was like faster than it should have been or something. So, I mean, that, I guess, was her purpose. But now she's just superfluous and she's this weak-willed, soggy biscuit of a woman. And it really bothers me. Yeah, I was hoping more from her. Shalini and Aaron find out that Modron has been found. That's the name of the lady who can see the past. And they are bringing Modron back to the court in Fairyland so that they can have her help figure out what's going on back with Ava. She's laying in the dungeon. Her back is torn open. She's been tortured yet again. And she keeps thinking about that moment after she stabbed Torin and the leaves started whirling around her and the vines seemed to be alive, moving everywhere. And she thought maybe it was her was it her or was it just her going crazy? Like, what? what is this? Morgan turns out to be, like, kind of okay for a fairy, I guess. Because he comes and talks to her. He realizes she's infected. Oh, I let you sit in your pain too long. Oopsie, sorry. But he gives her advice and stuff. He points out that Ava has magic that she's refusing to use. He says, you know, you could have healed yourself, but you didn't. He asks her if she wants revenge. Ava does want revenge. She is (laughs) purely motivated by hate and anger at this point. Poor Ava. Morgan heals her and then he tells her that Ava has more power than she thinks and he wants her to survive. But, quote, strength only comes through pain, unquote. So again... Love is a fire. It's going to hurt like hell. And then you'll come out stronger for it. It seems kind of like he accepts her because she stabbed Torin. (laughs) And he tells her, well, now you're one of us, but you need to figure out your shit so you can actually really be one of us and take your place here. He leaves, but the fact that he mentioned the word revenge to Ava just has set the little wheels a turn in. And Ava has found new meaning in life and she makes the red leaves on the prison floor rise into the air. Ooh, she can move plants. Hmm. Who knew? Back in Shalini's head, she and Aaron go to this big old gathering where Modrin is going to talk to everybody Orla and Mariah come up to the front of everybody and Orla looks like she's just this frail, withered husk of a woman. And Mariah is dressed up super queenly. She gives this big old speech about how Modrin is going to share with them the truth. Meanwhile, this is what we're facing. Why has our king abandoned us? Where the fuck did he go? Maybe he could come back and tell us why we're living on rations. So she's stirring up anger within the population as much as she can. But then she's like, oh, no, I don't blame him, of course. No, no, of course not. He's not an unseelie, is he? No, he's not. And so she brings up the whole unseelie thing and how the unseelie are evil and demonic and, oh, it's awful. And, of course, Torin would never 
cavort with an unseelie fairy. That would be just not okay. Gee, I wonder what Modron is going to share with everyone. Moriah has primed the pump. Back in Ava's head, she's working on her magic. She's figured it out and she's spending her time kind of being her own Yoda, so to speak. (laughs) Meanwhile, with Shalini, Modron shows up, says, oh, you wish to learn what has happened to your king and his bride? And then she shows like this fog that has like a picture of or like kind of like a magical movie of what has happened it is Torin standing in front of which shalini doesn't know this but he's standing in front of mab holding a sword and it looks like he's protecting her now we all know he's not but modron has an ulterior motive <laughs> never not him and also orla can't see any of this because she's blind So she's hearing people react to this and she's like freaking out, but she can't see it. Mariah starts doing this dramatic narration of what's going on. Then we see a vision of Ava. She has the horns now and she's leaning against Torin, and it looks like they're awfully close. Apparently that's bad because he is indeed cavorting with demons. How dare he? He must be a traitor. (laughs) And Shalini realizes that Mariah has engineered this perfectly. Then Mariah shares that her sister was supposed to marry Torin and no one hated demons more than she did. But of course Torin wouldn't have murdered her, would he? And then she asks Modron to show what happened to her sister. And it looks pretty damning because... He freezes her to death and then he buries her under the temple and doesn't tell anyone. No one will look under here. So now everyone is on Mariah's side and um, (laughs) the powers have shifted to her and Aaron is ushering Shalini out of the hall and saying, okay, I need to hide you. I need to hide Orla. This is not okay. This is now a situation. (laughs) A very bad situation. Back in Ava's head, she's been practicing her magic. Days and days and days have passed, okay? She hasn't had any water to drink, so she feels like shit. And if she were human, she would die. But she's a fairy, so she lives on. Morgan shows up. Ava says, oh, hey, I noticed that you've been starving me again. Like, (laughs) what's going on with that? And Morgan says, oh, the queen has ordered it. She says, if you don't have magic, you're no good to her. She's planning to throw you off the top of the tower. Ava says, but she promised to let me go if I killed Torin. Morgan says, yeah, she's going to let you go by throwing you off the top of the tower. <laughs> like, she didn't lie. She's letting you go off the top of the tower. <laughs> Ava says, what did you do with Torin's body? She, she's thinking to herself, maybe I can use my magic, fight, get Torin's body, bring him back to Fairyland so he can be at least buried with his people. Morgan says, oh, we've kept him where everyone can see him, which doesn't sound great. Ava then uses her magic, gets a thorny vine to strangle Morgan, and she tells him that she's going to torture him until he gives her the answer she wants. And she asks him where the Sword of Whispers is. 
and how will she get out of the kingdom? And Morgan tells her where the Sword of Whispers is. And he also tells her that if she goes and speaks to the veiled one, Kayla, who is in the castle, then she will get the answer that she seeks. So she lets him go. She doesn't kill him completely. Just a little bit. She starts shifting the tree and creates a passage to escape past Morgant. So she's badass. She's going to take care of herself. Torin, you didn't need to show up. It was fine. Back in Shalini's head, things are not looking good. She's hiding out in this cabin in the middle of nowhere. Mariah has started riding a dragon and burning people who don't agree with her. She is now queen. Fun to do in theory. (laughs) Everyone thought, oh, good, we have a queen. But Mariah refuses to sit on the throne. (laughs) Because she realizes that her power comes from holding this whole world hostage with the never-ending winter and the terrible situation. And she's not going to be able to keep that power if people become happy again. Uh, The dragon comes for Aaron and Shalini in the cabin where they're staying. They run away and it feels like the dragon is hurting them in a specific direction. Because it is. Back in Ava's head, she is escaping through this tunnel that she made in the tree. She is looking for the Veiled One. Even though she could totally escape and leave now, she wants to get revenge. She needs to go find Torin's body so she can bring it back to Fairyland with her. She hides in the corner and manages to capture and make unconscious a person in the castle and steal her clothing so that she no longer looks like a captive, I guess, because she has clothes on now. (laughs) Yeah, clothes. She's looking and trying to find Torrin's body. And then suddenly someone grabs her from behind and says, oh, there she is. Queen Mab has been looking for you. She wants to throw you off the tower. Ava shoots a vine through that face head. So he's gone now, dead. And then she uses vines to chop the heads off of the other unsealy guards or whatever they are. And then she's kind of thinking to herself, hmm, I'm doing some pretty evil shit right now. (laughs) (laughs) What exactly am I capable of? But then she's also thinking to herself, well, maybe they should have thought of that before they made me kill Torin." It's all their fault after all. She finally makes it to this room where the Veiled One is. The Veiled One says Isabel. Ava kind of recognizes that as her name, sort of, at this point. She asks for help. Can you help me get out of the Court of Sorrows? How can I get back to Fairy? The Veiled One tells her that she will return to Fairy in the Avon River And in the abandoned temple to the Ash Goddess, she will find a mirror that can open a world by naming it. And tells her where to go and how to find it. And it's great. And then Ava starts to feel a little worried. And she's like, well, why are you helping me? The Veiled One says, I only foretell the future. Nothing here happens without the Queen's consent. So I don't know what else to tell you. (laughs) Ava asks her where she can find Torrin's body and learns that he's in the throne room. 
And then as Ava gets ready to go, she gets another foretelling that (laughs) she's, she's told that um, if you don't leave right now, you're going to get captured. And if you don't eat or drink soon, you're going to die. So enjoy that. (laughs) Ava replies, I thought it didn't matter what I did because the queen controls everything. And the veiled one replies, oh, she'll throw you off the tower. (laughs) Good to know. Ava goes out the window and she gets the vines to help her climb up to the throne room. She uh, sneaks into a kitchen and grabs some food and some ambrosia to drink so she can not die. Yay, not dying. Uh-huh. She she finds the Sword of Whispers and takes it with her. And then as she's running, she thinks she hears Torin's voice. And she goes, wait a second, he's dead. Well, Why can I hear him? <laughs> he's only mostly dead, not completely dead. Isn't that what they say in Princess Bride? He's mostly dead? Yep. Kind of the same thing here. Back to Shalini. They've been herded by this dragon to the castle. They are captured and hung in cages on the wall outside in the snow, which really sucks if you're a fairy, but really, really, really sucks if you're Shalini because she's human and could potentially freeze to death. Uh Uh-oh. Shalini notices that Princess Orla is also in a cage, so Mariah has no more use for her. Now we're in Torin's head. He is not dead after all. He is instead bound by vines and stuff in the throne room and he's hearing screaming and he's smelling blood and he doesn't know what hap- what's happening, but he is happy that it's happening because it seems like it's not something the queen might want. <laughs> Honestly, it sounds like Torin is just being tortured this whole time, you know, bound up in spiky vines, half dead, just lovely yeah he's tried to rip through these vines like multiple times and he's managed to get out of them four times so far trying to go rescue ava but every time that he tries to escape more and more soldiers come to guard him and there's at least 30 dudes hanging out around him just waiting for him to try it torin's like well i'm still gonna break free i bet this is ava And I need to rescue her because I need to. Apparently after Ava stabbed him and then got locked in the dungeon again, uh, Morgant healed Torin, and then Queen Mab used her magic to tie him up in the throne room. And isn't that interesting that Mab's magic is very similar to Ava's magic? Hmm. He thinks that maybe he's just going crazy, but he really feels like he can sense Ava's presence. And so he starts shouting, I'm here, which is the voice Ava hears. Ava is now peering into the throne room. She sees all the soldiers guarding Torin's body. She tries to control the vines in the throne room, but she can't. It feels like someone else is already in control of them. But she notices there's some weeds in between the flagstones on the floor and she can use those. She uses her magic to make them bigger and then uses them to start taking out the soldiers. And then all of a sudden, Torin, he's freed himself and he's fighting. 
Ava's shouting for him, holding his sword. They run to each other, and, and it's one of those like, da, 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 da. <laughs> they're holding each other, and she gives him the sword, and then the queen shows up. And Torin's like trying to place himself in front of Ava, like, I'm going to protect you. Dude, read the room, man. <laughs> Ava is trying to take control of the vines to fight the queen, but the queen already has control of them and she gloats. Oh, see, you're not the only one who can control the plants around us. And obviously I'm not going to kill Torin quickly. I would rather just slowly crush him within a tree. <laughs> and then she says, Isabel, do you know what he did to my son? And Torin says, he never sent the assassins after her sons. He sent them after her. Not that that really matters because they killed her, one of her sons. I don't think he appreciates the point that he's trying to make. No, I don't think he's making a very good point, And I don't think he's doing a very good job of making said point. Mm -mm. However, <laughs> while that's happening, Ava is starting to realize, well, shit, why is Mab's magic so much like mine? <laughs> Mab tells a story about what really happened when the Unseelie fairies came to visit Torin's parents. The story that we knew from the prior book is that it was a massacre and Mab had Torin's parents killed and then cursed Torin and Orla and then left. However, the story she tells is very different and Mab can't lie. So I guess it's true. Torin's parents invited her to their court because they wanted to trade between kingdoms and they wanted to unite against the humans. So Mab went and was ambushed. And then at that point, they accused her of cursing the kingdom with the frost. So apparently that curse already existed. And Mab tells Torin that she had never caused the frost in fairy. Ooh. Ava is using the weeds to make a big hole in the floor while all this is happening, while Mab is monologuing. And then she and Torin fall through this hole in the floor. <laughs> she announces to Torin, I guess I have magic after all. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, I think I can get us out of here. I found the veiled one. She gave me some hints where to go, how to get this magic mirror that will take us wherever we want. I'm going to save you. That's what they start to do. They escape. They <laughs> run. They're almost free. And then all of a sudden, the roots of the tree reach out, grab Ava, and yank her off the ground. Mab shows up. She's super happy because she got Ava. Morgan, who is revealed to be her son, is with her. He looks kind of bloody and nasty because Ava almost killed him. <laughs> He's holding Torin's sword. He's staring at Ava. And then Mab says, I was trying to tell you something, Isabel, but you ripped the floor out from under us. <laughs> <laughs> Ava notices that Mab looks worried or maybe a little scared. Mab says, before I throw you from the tower, you have to know what happened. You have to know the truth. And then she says that the reason that she had been invited to Fairyland was because they were supposed to discuss a future alliance by betrothing their heirs. 
So betrothing her daughter to their son. Mab has always wanted to have her heirs on the throne of Fairyland, and so she agreed. And then they asked her to remove the, f- the frozen curse, and she says that wasn't her curse to remove. And then she says it's actually Modron who cursed Fairyland because she hates everyone there because they ostracized her for telling the past. And so while they're at this banquet, the queen, Torin's mom, is holding Mab's baby girl, fussing over her, passing her to a nursemaid, and then they betray Mab and ambush her. Mab tries to rescue her daughter, but she gets frozen in ice and watches as it looks like the nursemaid murdered her daughter by smashing her against the rocks. And so that's Eww. when she cursed the royal family, and they deserved it. Mm-hmm. However, apparently the nursemaid cast an illusion. It turns out that Mab's daughter is alive and well, and right here, named uh, Ava, a.k.a. Isabel. Ava... She's, she's kind of having a mindfuck moment. She's like, well, yeah, no wonder <laughs> it's so easy for me to kill people. Look who my mom is. Because murdering is genetic? Sociopathy, I guess, is genetic. I don't know. Potentially. Yeah. Huh? But Ava's like, well, Mab was stronger, but I'm strong now. Love is a forge. So she's buying into this love is a forge <laughs> bullshit. Or is it bullshit? I don't know. And so she says, oh, so this is how you welcome your child who you thought was dead? You lock me in a dungeon and torture me, starve me, beat me, all this. And Mab says, well, your mother left you weak. Because this is Mab's whole thing. Love is a forge. She loves Ava, Isabel, and is trying to help her in her own sick, twisted way by forging her into what she could be, make her stronger, make her better, make her who she's quote unquote meant to be. Mab says to her that I wanted an unseelie heir, a daughter with magic and wings, but because you don't have those things, you're not my heir. Yeah, you have some magic and good job with that, but I'm still going to throw you off the tower. She says, quote, I want an heir who isn't broken and all those deaths mean nothing if the Unseelie don't get what we deserve, the kingdom of fairy. And keep in mind, love is a forge, all right? She says, I don't want to make you scream. What <laughs> I do next is going to hurt me more than it will hurt you. I'm going to throw you off the fucking tower now. <laughs> it has been foretold. Ava's thinking to herself, okay, everyone else in the royal family has wings. I must have wings too. This must be what it is. Love is a forge. She's forcing me to find my wings. Uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's the throw the kid into the water and make sh- to see if they swim, which might be one thing if the kid was taught to swim first. Maybe it's like a instinct sort of thing, like a bird learning to fly or something. Maybe. That's what it seems to be, because Mab uses the vines to hurl Ava off the tower, and as she's plummeting... She manages to get her wings. And so now she's fully whole. She's truly who she's meant to be. She's got her horns. She's got her wings. She's got her vine plant magic. She's badass. 
So she's flying and Morgant is flying next to her. He gives her Torin's sword and says, take your Seelie King home before anything happens to him. Ava swoops in, frees Torin, tries to fly him away and sort of does, but she can't really carry him because her wings are awesome and all, but they can't hold two bodies. They have limits. But they do escape. Yay. Find their fun horse. Start riding to go find that mirror. And Torin is feeling pretty sad and beat down because he's like, you're not going to be able to come see me because the curse works in fairy. You're not going to be able to touch me in fairy. Ava points out that Mab revealed that Modron is the one who cursed fairyland. And so if Torin kills her, then maybe everything will be fine. They get to the temple. They find the mirror. Ava tells Torin to say the name of the place he wants to travel to. He doesn't really want to leave her. They kiss. And even though things are pretty dire, I mean, they're still, they've escaped, but I mean, they're not safe yet. They decide to have the sex because, yeah, they gotta. And then he leaves because he thinks that's the only way he's going to be able to keep her alive is if he never sees her again. Ava breaks the mirror, grabs a shard of it, and then uses the rest of it to go back to her hometown where she was living in the human realm. So she's got a shard of her magic mirror with her still so she could maybe go somewhere else potentially if she wanted. So now she's in the human realm again and she looks like a total wreck because she's been through it and runs into andrew of course yeah this is her ex who cheated on her and then spread vicious gossip about her he's great we love him (laughs) so he starts bitching at her and ava's just like you know what i really don't care anymore (laughs) i really really don't she goes back to shalini's apartment thinking well maybe shalini's home but shalini isn't home And it looks like Shalini hasn't been there in a while. So Shalini must still be in Fairyland. But Torin would give her permission to go home once he gets back. So she should show up any time now. She's a little worried about that. Torin has been transferred, (laughs) transferred to Fairyland. He's in the castle in Orla's room and he hears screaming He hears Orla's voice calling his name. He doesn't feel any of his magic, which means his throne is still shattered. He watches the soldiers and he realizes that Moriah has taken over and he looks out the window and he sees all the captives hanging in cages outside and he decides he's going to have to go rescue them. And then he sees Moriah riding that dragon And he thinks to himself, oh, well, shit, (laughs) this is great. (laughs) But he climbs down the chains and starts trying to free people. He finds Orla. He gets her out of the cage. He finds Aaron. He finds Shalini, who somehow has survived. And he's freeing people. And then he gets found out and the soldiers come up and they're going to shoot him with arrows and Torn says look I'm your king you must know I'm doing my best to protect fairyland 
I still hold the Sword of Whispers. Look at my cool sword, y'all. He realizes that the soldiers are fighting him because they're terrified of the dragon, not because they really don't believe him necessarily. So he gets captured. The soldiers are like, we're sorry, but we have to do this and take him off to somewhere. Meanwhile, Ava's hanging out in Shalini's apartment. She's worried about everyone. She's thinking that, well, maybe things aren't good because if Torin's throne is still shattered, he's not going to have any power. So is he returning as a king or has someone else taken over? Hmm. And so she uses the shard of the mirror to go to fairyland. Um, meanwhile, Torin has been chained to a post in the center of the amphitheater where the fencing match happened in the prior book. Mariah is there. She's super excited because she's going to torture and kill Torin for killing her sister. She says... Quote, I want you to die terrified, screaming, and completely out of control. I want you to die gripped by real horror. She's real, real great. She's really improved, <laughs> you know, as a person over the course of the story. Mm-hmm. At one point, Orla says that Mariah has gone mad, but I kind of wonder if Mariah wasn't mad to begin with. Yeah, I kind of wonder too. Okay, so Torin is chained in the center of this amphitheater, there are workers sealing up all the tunnel entrances to the arena. So he's basically in a giant bowl. And then the water comes in. <laughs> so he's chained up in a giant bowl, filling with water. He thinks he's going to drown. But then the dragon shows up and starts heating up the water. And Torn realizes he's going to get boiled alive. He's like a lobster. And it's quite a production that Mariah is doing this in the amphitheater. She could theoretically boil him alive in a much smaller container. Yeah, she she clearly has thought this out and wants to go through the extra effort. Ava is now in Fairyland. She is trying to figure out what has happened. She sees a woman in one of the cages that didn't happen to get freed. The woman tells her that they're all caged up because they were loyal to the king. Mariah is the ruler now. Ava takes this information and she's like, okay, well, I could go to rescue Torin in the amphitheater right now. Or I could go try to fix his throne and he could save himself. And she makes the smart choice and finds the throne and uses her magic to... Get the plants out from underneath the frozen earth and grow and somehow piece his throne together. So now his throne is like a conglomeration of stone and vegetation. And it's great because now it's fixed. And then she goes to rescue her man. Woohoo! Torin is in this wonderful, warm bath in the middle of the amphitheater <laughs> but it's gonna be uncomfortably hot soon enough just need a little little soap little bubbles <laughs> maybe a nice read glass of wine we're good but as it gets warmer all of a sudden he feels his magic rip through him and all of a sudden he's back he's got his magic go him Torin frees himself from the chains. He starts swimming. He's 
able to survive the boiling water because he is icy. He has his icy magic, so he's fine. He explodes out of the water in front of Mariah. The dragon goes to breathe fire on him, but he blocks it with a wall of ice. Mariah leaps on the dragon's back and they take off into the sky. And then Torin is looking around for Modrin, but Modrin isn't there. Uh oh. And Torin's thinking to himself, I wonder why I have my magic back. What happened? Did Aaron fix my throne? He doesn't think it could be Ava. <laughs> nope. He starts following Mariah from the ground. So Mariah's flying toward the castle. Torin starts heading back to the castle as well. And then he sees someone with black moth-like wings flying. And he realizes that Ava is there. And he's like, oh shit. Shit, shit, shit. As Ava's flying, she's thinking about what the Veiled One had told her, that nothing happens without the Queen's consent. And then she's wondering if that also means that she escaped with the Queen's consent. Is this all something that the Queen planned? And then she starts to realize that love is a forge. <laughs> that is indeed what the Queen planned. Are you sure it's not love is an open door? <laughs> no, that's the other Frozen story. Oh, gotcha. There's some point where Ava fell and she hurt one of her wings. And so even though she can fly, she's not doing great. And then she sees the dragon. She, she tries to fly into the forest to get some cover, but she falls and tumbles out of the air and then hurts her wing. Oops. And then the dragon lands and it's going to get her. But Ava realizes, oh, wait, I'm surrounded by trees. Go me. <laughs> so she cages the dragon. She sees Torin running through the snow and she's so happy and she tries to kind of fly to him with her broken wings. But Mariah grabs her and starts tearing at her throat with her fangs because Mariah is one of the blood drinking fairies and apparently she has toxin of some kind. So it's hurting ava things mm. aren't great and mariah's like it's my job to protect the kingdom from demons people think a woman like me can't do it it's my job to show them that i can and she tells the dragon to burn the traitors oh that's another thing mariah has this whole thing about needing to prove that women are just as powerful if not more so than men she's got a real thing about it she she said several speeches about it and I can rule just fine. I could rule better than a man. So in the prior book, we'd learned that the Seelie King was in charge of protecting Fairyland and the mm. Queen was in charge of keeping Fairyland filled with magic. And Mariah, I think, wants to be more in the role of the king, which is fine, except she's kind of crazy and she's not doing it, <laughs> right? Right. So the dragon goes to burn them. Then Ava realizes, oh wait, I can heal myself. Morgan told me I could. So she heals herself and then she really realizes, yes, this was all a test. Mab just wanted to make me strong. She was forging me into a weapon. I'm going to save Torin. Go me. Mariah leaps on Torin. She's gonna savage him with her fangs as well. 
Ava uses her magic to coil the trees around the dragon's throat and clamp its jaws together. And then she flies with her fixed wings over to Mariah, yanks her off of Torin, starts fighting her. And she tells Torin, use your ice magic. And so Torin uses his magic to clear the ground of ice and snow to reveal the grass and stuff below it and then Ava tosses Mariah into this cleared area creates a spiky thorny vine in the cleared area and impales Mariah through the Mm. ribs and suspends her in the air above the ground with her blood dripping and shadows whispering through Ava's head and it's just amazing and badass and kind of evil. <laughs> and then she tells Torin to use his magic to heal himself. So he does. And then all of a sudden he realizes that Ava's touching him. And he's like, you shouldn't even be here. You're not supposed to touch me. Ava says, no, the curse is gone. And then he says, how do you know that? And Ava says, because Queen Mab told me she wanted us to be together. It all makes sense now. She wants her heirs on the throne. How's she going to get that without Ava and Torin making babies? I don't know. Modrin shows up. She's pissed because she got exiled by the Seelie because of her past telling. Looks like there's a flash flood coming. Um, Modrin has caused it. And Ava and Torin use their magic jointly to build a wall to wall it off. And then Torin goes after Modrin. Ava traps Modrin in like a bunch of brambles. And then Torin cuts her head off. And then the sun comes out and the wave goes away and winter is over. Everything's fine now. Torin takes Ava back to the palace and they have some sexy times and cuddly times and resting and it's great and wonderful um turns out that everyone has been found shalini orla aaron are all fine ava reveals to torin what she learned about mab and love is a forge and we're supposed to make babies because that'll make mab happy and we don't want mab to not be happy (laughs) uh yeah she says quote It's not the gentle, comforting kind of love. They worship the ash goddess. Their love is a forge that burns them and everyone around them. It's the kind of love that makes a mother throw her child off the side of a castle to see if she can fly. Torin's like, yeah, you're not going to convince me to like her or be grateful to her or anything like that. She's still crazy and scary. (laughs) Torin wants Ava to be his queen. He says that once... People in Fairyland realize that winter is gone, the curse is gone, and that you're the one who helped save the kingdom. They won't care if you're unseelie. They'll just be happy that their families have food and they're safe. Morgant and Mab show up at some point and they're in Fairyland and you kind of get the impression that they're there to give Ava their blessing. Ava and Torin make plans to get married. Six months later, we're in Shalini's head. She and Aaron are an item now. So that's nice. Ava has opened a bar in the castle called Chloe's, 
what she had always wanted to do. And instead of charging like a actual bar, she's using it to build community points with <laughs> the kingdom. Hey, come meet me. Look, I'm nice. Here's some free stuff. Enjoy. Yeah, and, and that's the end. There is a free extra epilogue bonus chapter that if you sign up for C.N. Crawford's newsletter, you can get it. Oh. And it covers the wedding between Ava and Torin, and also Mab and Morgan show up and... It's kind of totally fine now. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it ends with the fractured kingdoms healing again and working together again or whatever, like they were supposed to all along or something. Well, yay then. I kind of wish that the bonus epilogue chapter had been part of the story because it really helped end the story for me. Yeah, I can see that. It was nice to get like that extra bit of oh yeah by the way mab is kind of evil but not crazy so there's (laughs) that so how was the audiobook well i listened to two different audiobooks so we have the single narrator one which is amanda dolan or the graphic audio version which i mean it had multiple narrators but in the role of Ava it was Taylor Cohen again and the role of Torn it was Alex Hill Knight and this time I think in the previous version in the graphic audio one they had like way too much music right I'm like you you don't need it and this time they didn't so it worked way better oh good yeah able to emotionally invest much better strangely enough in the single narrator, they did a recap of the previous book before they jumped into the story. Huh. And so it took me a second to to get into the story because of that. But I still felt that Dolan did a really great job doing single narration. Still emotionally invested in everything. All right. I don't know why they recapped it in the one, but they did not in the other. I don't feel like the recap was needed because it's like, why would you jump into a second book in a series? <laughs> I wonder if the books were released kind of far apart. Let me look at the publication dates. I don't think the audio ones were, but maybe maybe other versions were. It looks like Ambrosia came out February of 2023. Frost came out in October of 2022. So not very far apart at all. No. That was the only thing I could think of, like why they might recap it, you know? That would be a good point, but yeah, who knows? Did you have a preference between the two versions of the audiobook? Not really. Although I will say, like, I really enjoyed Dolan's range with characters. Like, I really enjoyed her villains. (laughs) Oh, good. So, are you happy for their happy? Um, I mean, they went through it. There's there's certainly no, no denying that. I feel like they earned their happy. I don't know... I don't know if I'm so much happy for Torin, but definitely happy for Ava and Shalini and like just about everybody else. Uh, what about you? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I'm happy for them. Yeah. I mean, they obviously really want to be together and they worked really hard to, to do that. Um, we had some good pining with uh, both of them, really. Yes. I think there was so much in this book about them just trying to escape and 
be free and figure things out. And they thought their love was doomed and all this. And we didn't get a whole lot of them just getting to be together. Yeah. But the parts that they were together were very sweet. Like in the cabin, that scene at the castle before they have to duel each other to the death. At the end, when he takes her back to his room and he's all, I'm going to feed you apples because that's all I've been dreaming about. (laughs) It's kind of cute. Yeah. So I'm happy for them. Let's rate them. Yay. Again. (laughs) (laughs) How do you rate Ava? Now that you know the whole story. Uh, still awesome. You know, she was awesome before. I feel like she's awesome now. Some of my problems were like the quickly learning the magic thing. But I guess, I mean, it's not uncommon for magic to just seem to be innate. Like they just feel their way through it. And granted, I feel like it was described well, showing how how the magic actually happened. Was it quick, though? I mean, she was captured for a long time. I don't know. It felt very quick. Maybe it is because she was captured for a long time. It just, it seemed, I don't know. I felt like if that's where they were going, then there should have been hints at it before, like in the first book. Okay. Which that's not character development. That's more story. But what about you? How did you rate Ava? So I rate Ava awesome as well. I really liked her in the story. I liked how she turned into a total badass and she didn't mm-hmm. shy away from becoming a true brutal fairy. I thought that was great. Really enjoyed that aspect of her character. I didn't think she learned magic too quickly, although I could see it feels that way. We get a lot of time jumps during the period where they're captive. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. But I think there is a point where Torin thinks to himself that he's been trapped in the throne room in that vine cocoon for like six weeks at least so it at least took six weeks for her to really practice it up and everything which i guess is still pretty fast honestly but not as fast as like the next day (laughs) i liked that she rescued Torin multiple times in the story i think that was great i love that she used her critical thinking skills and decided to fix the throne first Instead of rescue Torn from the amphitheater. So smart. <laughs> so good. <laughs> was happy that happened. Honestly, I enjoyed her a lot more over the prior book. And I think to me, I guess I was expecting her to have magic. Oh. I don't know that the prior book necessarily hinted that she would, but it did hint at her not being like an ordinary common fae. And so I was like, yeah, she's going to have magic. Obviously she is. Because... It wouldn't be satisfying if she didn't. At least not to me. (laughs) How did you rate Torin? I put him as awesome. I think it's a romantic hero. Awesome. You know, he dives in after the heroine. He does everything he can to save her. Uh, The doubting, I mean, it does make sense. I mean, she turns into his literal villain. Yeah. The big bad. But, you know, as far as a ruler, maybe, maybe somebody else, maybe Orla really should rule. Like if she needs some instruction, but maybe she'd do a better job. Yeah, I don't know. He just, he felt a little awkward. Maybe it's because he wasn't, like he was arrogant, but not an alpha. Maybe that's why I'm just so used to the alpha thing. I don't know. What about you? How did you rate Torin? I really liked Torin. I rate him awesome. 
I think some of his choices, they don't make sense to me, but they do make sense for him. Yes. And he is kind of single-minded about Ava, which is kind of a romance hero thing, of course. Yes. Let the world burn. I need my woman. <laughs> but I like that he was cool with Ava getting her power. Like, he was into it. Yes. I really liked that. He wasn't, like, butthurt about being rescued or anything. They work together really well. And he is pretty badass, too. Although, less of a growth journey for him because he was badass in the first book as well. Maintain the journey? Or? Uh, maintain the badassery? Maybe he should have been able to grow as a leader. Yeah, I think that's his biggest flaw as a character in this story. He's supposed to be this powerful king of fairyland, and he doesn't really seem to be doing any kingly stuff. Maybe he is because he's pursuing his interests. Maybe that's the kingly thing. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe we're expecting better of him and shouldn't be. Perhaps. <laughs> How do you rate the villains? I must admit. With the exception of map, like, the M names kept throwing me. So uh -huh. I just put, like, all the females with the M name, basically evil. <laughs> it's what it felt like. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my poor brain. Like, I was getting them confused. They were effective. I, I really liked the villains. I enjoyed them. What about you? I fucking loved the villains in this story. <laughs> this book really ramped it up and I really enjoyed it. I loved Mariah, just the mad queen burning things. <laughs> she, she, she is mad, I think, but she also has this great plan to like overturn Torrance rule and like shift the loyalty to her and all that. And she, she does a good job with it. She's in cahoots with Modron, who has a believable reason for wanting to curse fairyland and yeah kick torn off the throne and everything it makes sense and then um of course mab i think is the queen of all villains and she is just the best character ever i love her i love what they did with her um i wish she had a different name but we already talked about that but i love the whole Love is a Forge theme and how Mab was doing all that to essentially help Ava come into her own and Ava manages to understand it and then they can be fine and it felt okay that they would be fine after that, which I thought was pretty interesting because Mab did some pretty evil shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yet I'm still feeling fine. That, okay, well, no, we understand why she did it, and it makes sense, and you know what? It actually ended up being good. Mm-hmm. How about that? It enabled Ava to succeed. Yay! Could she have done it in a better way? I don't know. We'll never know. That is not the Mab way. <laughs> How do you rate the book? Really both audio versions, I rated a four, because I really enjoyed them. I was very engaged. What about you? I rated it as a four as well. I really enjoyed this conclusion to the story. I thought it was great. Yeah, it definitely was that, you know, action fantasy romance. Yes. Although I do agree with you, like, uh, an area that they, they could have improved upon was the couple time, especially in book two. Yeah. 
I mean, we we did get some. We did get some. But it was in little snippets. They were like little mini vacays from all the strife. Yes. And it, it definitely did feel like a romance. Like, it didn't feel like it deviated into, you know, sometimes where it's like a murder mystery romance. Oh, yeah. It feels more like a murder mystery than a romance. No, this definitely did feel more romance than action adventure. Well, did you feel romanced? I did. Yay! It came together for me in this book. The fact that they could touch helped. I think what I especially liked about the romance part of this book is the sweet little snippets that we do get between Ava and Torin. And I didn't touch on it a whole lot, but he's got this recurring daydream of lounging around with Ava and feeding her apples. And at the end, he's like, that's what I'm going to do. And it's just really (laughs) cute. I really loved Ava's white hot rage that she felt over Torin's what she thought was his death and Mm -hmm. her motivation for revenge and I just thought that was great and then she's all badass and she's like this vision of fury coming to rescue him and just so I I really liked that I thought that was great too did you feel romanced no but it was very entertained what else have you been reading well I recently finished uh embrace your weird by felicia day oh okay the book serves to do a lot of things but one of the things is using creativity to help with anxiety or any sort of mental health issues and finding ways to put more creativity into your daily life at least weekly life so that way you hopefully have a happier living experience and completing your goals So she has a whole big thing about like goal completion and accepting like, hey, this step towards this goal, you may need to have that. And that's okay. You may need to quarter that step. Make it an even smaller step. That's okay. You're still working towards it. She's very positive. It's great. In the make room chapter, she has a tree drawing exercise, which I thought is great to do like in the new year. Because it's a way of prioritizing your goals. Oh, okay. Parts of the tree, like which bolster and sustain you and which aspects obfuscate and drain you. Maybe because she has such varied creative interests. Her approach to having a book about creativity is that it also can apply to many creative endeavors. But yeah, it was really interesting. I enjoyed. What have you been reading? I recently finished Escaping Fate by Regina Abel. This is the first book in the Viridian Chronicles series. You may have heard the name Regina Abel on this podcast before because I love her Prime Mating Agency series. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's basically like a one-click author for me. Like if I see she's got a new book, I want to read it. This book isn't brand new, but it's one that I've been, I've kind of had my eye on for a while. It was first published in 2017. I think she did a really good job with world building in this book. She created a very complex political sort of situation. Our heroine is named Amalia. She is part of an alien race called the Viridians. As far as the rest of the galaxy knows, Viridians have basically died out. But they actually suffered from a plague Uh, slavers came in and captured all the remaining Viridian women and created this secret kind of like an empire of slavery at the base of it 
because the Viridians have a psychic ability. So for example, Amalia's psychic ability is if she touches something with some sort of electronics, then she can control it. Oh, okay. I mean, he's groomed her from a young age, but essentially forces her to help him with his other shady things like open things that shouldn't be opened or (laughs) hack uh, enemy systems or whatever. Close to the beginning of the story, Amalia manages to find her freedom. The ship that she's on has landed and she escapes onto the planet and joins the fastening ceremony and finds herself a mate real fast, thinking, okay, this guy's going to protect me. Lucky him. (laughs) It turns out he has a cousin who also really likes Amalia. Kind of a why choose sort of situation. God, there's just so much to this story because I even got into the guys. So on the planet, this alien race, they're called Zalaxians. And like, they have this horrible caste system. They've been afflicted with this thing called the taint. It affects the males of the species. The ones that are severely afflicted are called the tainted. Hmm. And the tainted have a real shit life. And also, they're never going to be able to find a mate because no Zelixian woman wants a tainted man. Hmm. So when Ava chooses her mate, she actually chooses a tainted man and... That sets some wheels in motion to kind of change society. I could probably talk about this forever. But basically, (laughs) the one thing that you just really need to take note of, especially if you have read this author before, is that this series is a lot darker than other books of hers that I've read. And um, there are very heavy themes of slavery, grooming, Mm. non-consensual acts, like a drug cartel. Uh, <laughs> like there's there's a lot, okay? <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah, I wouldn't classify this as necessarily a dark romance, but there are a lot of dark themes. So just be prepared for that if you do start to read the series. That is it for this time. Check out our website, romancemepodcast.com. We've got our show notes, our other episodes, our upcoming reads. Don't forget, you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify. And please rate us. We we love being rated, don't we, Em? It's amazing. Well, were you romanced by Ava and Tor's story? Let us know what you think about that. Or let us know if you'd rather have horns or antlers. Your call. Totally your call. <laughs> <laughs> if you wish, join us next time when we discuss Neon Gods by Katie Roberts. So, I don't know if you've had this happen. I bought some, like, work pants recently. I stand there with mine, put my hands in the pockets, and I'm like, this feels weird. The pockets were different depths. What? One of the pockets was quote-unquote short-sheeted. I'm like, <laughs> this feels off. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had that happen before. I've mostly had the experience where you stick your hands in your pockets and it goes up to like the second knuckle. <laughs> <laughs>